Welcome to this week's of Maroon Weekly. Uh, this is your host, Beza Desta. I am Isaac Krakoka. And I'm Ron Balzubramanian. So Isaac, do you want to start us off with the story from student government? Absolutely. So this past week, there was a proposal to the undergraduate student government structure to include a two-person slate and to expand the college council. This article was originally reported by UN Lu. In the unanimously passed Initiative Development and Executive Augmentation Act, College Council established the structure of its proposed new undergraduate student government following its initiative to split the Graduate Council and College Council in an upcoming referendum. If 60% of the student body votes affirmatively on the referendum on the ballot for this election, then student government will be split into two separate entities. One will become the new undergraduate student government and serve undergraduate students. The other will serve graduate students. So this new undergraduate student government would be led by a slate consisting of the president, college council chair, and executive vice president. While students would also elect two of their peers to serve as president and chair, the college council would appoint the executive vice president. The resolution would also expand the college council from 16 to 20 members and change the makeup of the cabinet to include four vice presidents appointed by the college council. So anyways, the spring 2021 student government election will proceed as normal with candidates running in a three-person slate. But if the referendum passes, the elected vice president for administration would become college council chair and the vice president for student affairs would become the executive vice president for external affairs, a proposed temporary role for 2021 to 2022 school year. On a social media post outlining this proposed structure, college council emphasized that these ideas are not permanent, stating that this is a year long process and we are committed to welcoming and incorporating constructive student feedback. Currently, the Executive Committee, Standing and External Committees, and College Council, which together comprise the designated undergraduate legislature, according to the student government constitution, are separate bodies within the student government. However, the role of each branch is not specified, leading to inefficient communication. As a result, the bodies often find themselves engaging in overlapping or redundant work. Meanwhile, there is no formal requirement for College Council to consult committee members when passing resolutions on specific issues pertaining to these committees. With the change in student government structure, the executive slate would lead internal coordination among different bodies. The president would chair a cabinet composed of four vice presidents, each specializing in an area of focus, communications, advocacy, student campus services, and student organizations. The president would also oversee the respective committees for those issue areas. The College Council would oversee the College Council's decision-making process. Under the new undergraduate student government, College Council would not initiate new projects on its own, but would instead ratify undergraduate student governments, projects, and statement. Committees would design all projects and legislations relevant to their area and specialization, with College Council members sitting on these committees to provide input for the working groups. The third member of the executive slate as of right now, the executive vice president, would be appointed to handle internal administrative policies, including managing the staff and providing resources for carrying out student government operations. Candidates running for executive slate in spring 2021 student government election still run under the roles of president, vice president for administration, or vice president for student affairs. If the referendum passes, executive slate candidates would run in pairs in the spring of 2022 at the earliest. So, did you guys get all that? Because I'm not even sure I did. Basically, the TLDR of it all is the executive slate is going from three members to two. And there is now an undergraduate and a graduate student liaison uh, representing the executive slate, if that makes sense. I think it makes sense, but, you know. Did you guys vote last year? <laughs> I, I, I don't remember, if I'm being completely honest. That's bad, and I should have. Um, I might have, but if I'm being completely honest, I don't know who our reps are right now. Like, 
I don't know. The university is very bureaucratic. Like, and I know student government is important. I'm not arguing that because it is. I just am not involved in it. So I am less in tune with campus politics. Ram, what about what about you? I mean, I will say that I uh, agree a lot with that. I don't really know anything about student government or who our representatives are, and I did not vote. Um, that's probably a bad thing. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't really feel bad about it. Yeah, sorry to any student government people that actually listen to this podcast. We do love you. We just didn't vote for you. So sorry. Keep doing God's work. I don't know about God's work. They had a lot of problem leading up to their elections um, and the things that were coming out. Not that secrets is a reliable source of information, but the stuff that was coming out when elections were about to happen oh, was no. not pretty. And let's yeah, just no, say I, I didn't that. vote because none of them looked pretty much reliable. I do remember that. I do always know that there's mudslinging going on. That much I remember <laughs> because we report on it. But other than that, you know, don't really know. Don't really know a lot. But uh, everyone's trying an A for effort, I guess. Yeah. Um, so Ram, do you have another story for us? Yeah, my story is about the stay-at-home order. So as many of you likely know, based on an email that was delivered on Friday, April 16th by Dean Rasmussen, uh, the stay-at-home order that began for students on April 7th is now being extended through this upcoming Wednesday, April 21st. Uh, not only is this order meant to apply to students living on campus, it is supposed to apply to students living off campus now as well. Uh, and as part of the order, undergraduate in-person student employment and research has also been suspended until the order ends. Uh, the university's rationale for extending the order was to account for the potential time lag in cases becoming apparent since it can take 10 to 14 days after exposure to COVID for uh, symptoms to actually manifest. And the university also maintained that it was important to extend the order to protect against further infection, especially by the UK and the Brazilian variants, which they have reason to believe is involved in the recent spike in cases that happened last week. Housing is attempting to alleviate any stress associated with the extension of the order by opening outdoor courtyard spaces to students and holding a special support session conducted by student wellness. It's rough. It is it rough. Yes. It was a rough story. I was, I was really mad um, at particular people for the situation because I am off, I live off campus and, and it was like la the week before it was like, ha ha on-campus students. I feel, I mean, I empathize with them, but then again, you know, like, thank God I'm off campus. Yeah, so I also live off campus and uh, I'll be honest, I'm not like a party person. I'm kind of a homebody myself. I just kind of hang out with my roommate and watch TV, you know, the usual for the pandemic. Um, but my take is like, this has kind of been, like, why wasn't the stay-at-home order extended in the first place, right? Because this party happened at a frat party like this is what started the chain of events that led to where we are right now and the university believes that most of the cases are localized in housing and while that may be true i think it's hazardous to say that like it's an overwhelming number of on-campus students that were affected because if i'm an off-campus student and i'm risking like i don't know academic probation i would just be like i overslept my testing meeting i'll get tested in two weeks when it's gone I have no obligation to get tested, I guess, because there's no punitive measure for missing your testing window. 
Um, but obviously on-campus students have to get tested. So those numbers are much more accurate than any off-campus student numbers. So I think after that party, there were more off-campus cases than were originally reported, but there's no way to say for sure because the off-campus infrastructure, while strong, is not overly enforced. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's that's fair. I think that's a reasonable thing to say. I guess I, I would chime in on behalf of on-campus students by mostly focusing on those who came back just for spring quarter, which they have to spend, I guess, now a third of uh, doing the stay-at-home order since, you know, there was the week everybody got back, which was a stay-at-home, and now basically two more weeks of stay-at-home, and there's only nine weeks in the quarter, so a third of that is stay-at-home, which is very unfortunate, especially for those who just came for this quarter. So, yeah, I sympathize with them greatly, but you got to do what you got to do. Can I just add people who travel during spring quarter? <laughs> Sorry if, you, if any of you guys did. <laughs> No, as you know, I drove home to Ohio in my car with nobody else but an air conditioner and a few CDs. I was not, I, I drove. I had my car on campus, didn't go to an airport, saw my parents, got tested before I came back. I did it the right way. At least I think I did. And I stand by it. Respectable. I did not go home for spring break. So I guess I'm okay with Beza adding people. Maroon podcast full of wholesome people. Um, on another note, um, Let's just take a moment to, to, to talk about our international students overseas. Uh, as some of you may know, I'm also an international student, but luckily uh, I was able to stay here in Hyde Park over the past year learning online, but it was not the case for some people because some people decided to go to their parents or go to countries that had a much less number of um, COVID positivity rate. Um, and obviously some people are still there and having trouble scheduling time, scheduling classes. Luckily, a large number of classes are recorded, are asynchronous. Uh, that's all good. A couple of things stick out. One is office hours. Uh, and actually a very interesting story that I actually heard about was um, Christopher Chung has also reported in the story um, after one year of remote learning, international students continue to struggle with taking classes overnight, published in the Chicago Maroon on April 13. A student, a second year student, Christopher Chung, uh, has been taking classes from Hong Kong, which is about 13 or 14 hours ahead of Chicago. Last fall, when Chung asked his professor whether office hours could be moved to a more convenient time, he received an email saying, I quote, 5 a.m. on Friday for you is not exactly the middle of the night. Imagine, I can't even wake up for an 8 a.m. office hour. Uh, but it's kind of sad that, you know, just like international students are sort of ha having to handle these sort of situations and needing to go back and forth with their professors about rescheduling office hours, rescheduling exam times. Um, and on top of that, RSOs also hold uh, their meetings in a more convenient time for people who are situated in central time and a few hours from central time. Um, so it is understandable that a lot of international students that are overseas right now feel very disconnected from the central student body. Um, do you guys have any international student friends who are located overseas right now? I don't, but I do know in a lot of my classes, because uh, I'm in four discussion classes, so I don't have any pre-recorded asynchronous because um, I am liberal arts trash. So all of mine are held like synchronously. 
And in all of our syllabi, um, the professor or grad student, whoever's hosting the course, says, if you live internationally, let me know. Like, if you had to be logging on to the session at 4.30 in the morning, uh, just communicate it with me and I'll be sending you just all the pre-recorded lectures. And for participation, just send me a paragraph on what you gleaned from class today, something like that. So I do know a lot of professors are being pretty accommodating when it comes to in-person discussion classes. I can't speak for uh, STEM classes that are asynchronous. And when it comes time for test taking, uh, that would suck because those would be synchronous, right? Um, so I don't know. I, I do know in one of my chemistry classes last or two quarters ago, when it came to asynchronous versus synchronous, we had like a 12 hour window to take the test. And once we started it, we couldn't like, we could start it whenever we want. It was on canvas. Like we couldn't see the test questions until we started it, like pressed the start button. It was going for two hours and then it cut us off. So I could take it at 8 a.m. or 8 p.m., you know, uh, which was very good and very nice and very accommodating. So hopefully that's the case with a lot of other classes. What about you guys? What are your experiences with that? Yeah, it's very similar for me. Usually professors release a pre-course survey that, you know, they send out before the first day of class. And one of the questions is always like, are you taking the class at, at the central time zone or at a different time zone? Uh, so, something of that nature. And I'm sure that for those people who just were not able to attend class at that time, uh, there were outside accommodations made. But yeah, like you mentioned, Isaac, it really depends on the professor. I've also had classes with tests that have like, you know, that entire testing, like an entire day for the test to be taken. And it's a two hour test, like you like you mentioned. So yeah, they're, they're getting around it, I think, uh, pretty well. But you know, as Beza mentioned with the story, office hours, RSOs, that's stuff that's a little bit more difficult to reschedule. Um, I will say that a lot of the international students in my classes just like bit the bullet and just completely changed their sleep schedule. Um, one of my, <laughs> one of the kids I knew in, in one of my classes, he just, he just, he just became nocturnal for, <laughs> for the year and <laughs> would stay awake in the night and sleep for the day. Uh, it was kind of it was kind of trippy, but um, I guess that is what he chose to do. That's rough. That's absurd. All right, that is all we have for you guys this week. As always, I am Beza Desta. I'm Isaac Krakoka. Nam Rambal Subramanian. Music for the weekly is provided by Aaron Senden, Andrew Dietz, and Kenny Talbot Lavega. And we will see you guys next week. Bye, guys. See ya.